This is the Baymont Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we look at the final parable in the string of teachings found in Matthew 13, searching for the Peshat, Ramez, and Drash found in the story of fish caught in a net. Yep, and we still have a guest back for more. Once again, joined by Corey Nadler. Fish giblets. On Twitter, yes. Hello. Hi. Welcome back, Corey. Exceptionally appropriate Twitter name for an episode about fish caught in a net. Absolutely. Very apropos. Now, you actually, after we stopped, we had to bring him back, Brent, because after we stopped recording last episode, he he then started dumping his wisdom on us. Is this correct? Is this how you remember that's, this? That's how it played out. So we had to have him back because we have to actually hear that. So before we even get into the next parable, if you will, we, we have to flash back to the treasure and the pearl and tell us more about what your thoughts were, Corey. This is good. Well, the thought that I had was that if God is the character in the story who is looking for the pearls and the pearls represent wisdom, then is God essentially looking for wisdom in his people, essentially? Right, because the two remezes we were addressing were Proverbs 2 and Ezekiel 16. One of them would make the pearl wisdom, and one of them would make the pearl God's people. And so you put the two together and said, what if it's wisdom in God's people? Which is just brilliant. This is brilliant. Uh, we, we may come back to that. Speaking of things that we didn't discuss in the podcast, Ooh, you I said like you were going to give me some more uh, information about why a man would dig around in a field that he doesn't own. Oh, I, I, when I said that, I was referencing this, um, uh, this idea of who the man was. Ah, uh, yes. That was what I was going for. So okay. I circled back around and then forgot to make the connection. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. All right, so let's. Uh, we got one more parable in this whole Matthew 13 discourse, correct? Yep. And I think Corey pointed out appropriately, this is the discourse, if you remember, I don't know how many episodes it was, we talked about the Bible Project guys and how they talked about the five books, if you will, of Matthew. This is the discourse that is a part of the third, that third book of Matthew. So good uh, memory on that one, pulling that out of the old archives. Well, it was the episode that came out, like, episode before last for me, so... <laughs> it's fresh. We're on a different timeline here. That's right. Alternate universe situation. Yes, that's right. All right, give us the last parable, Brent. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Ooh, I I forgot you were going to read those last few verses. That opens up a whole other can of worms. I didn't know I was going to read those last verses. It just kind of happened. Oh, man, that's good. Okay, so we have to do that, too. Hold on. I'm writing new material in my head simultaneously as we speak. Um, So let's let's stay in the parable first. Uh, The parable here with the fish and the net. And um, let's do Pardes one last time. Not one last time, because we'll come back to Pardes. We've got more parables to talk about. But let's do, for Matthew 13, one last exercise of Pardes. So we're going to start with Peshat, right? We have to find a Peshat meaning here. Um, remind me at the end of this, Brent, to come back to the whole storehouse and rabbi and all that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll go back and read that again. Um, so Peshat on this parable, uh, what kind of takeaways do we got? Corey, Brent, what kind of takeaways do you have Peshat level here? Um, well, there's obviously a lot of Old Testament passages that talk about fish. 
Okay. Uh, I know there's one about a net that catches all kinds of fish, but I don't remember where it is. Okay. Excellent. What about uh, what about just the Peshat, the surface level takeaways? Like you're you're already oh, digging sorry, into text. My bad. You're, you're like you're like I'm doing on the it, wrong man. thing. You are Bayma student extraordinaire right here. So what kind of Peshat takeaways do we got here? Like if we just read the surface, what you got, Brent? Well, like we're talking about we're talking about fish, and then it's like the angels will come and separate. Like he he's like it's sort of half parable, half not. It's like he's kind of explaining it as he goes, sort of thing. Right. Sure. Um. Yeah. In a sense, uh, uh, two observations come to mind when you say that. Um. First one is what does this story immediately remind you of? Does it remind you of anything like another parable? Does this sound familiar? Like the parable of the weeds. Yeah. Like we got the same. So we had weeds and wheat, and we had angels at the harvest. And now we have the same thing again. We have good fish and bad fish, and we have angels separating them just like we do. And we said, Brent, what were we going to expect? We were going to expect a parallelism, right? Right. We're going to expect the same themes and these same ideas to then be reiterated. So this is following suit. So I have something that feels very similar to the parable of the weeds, like not separating them before. It's not like you get to go out and just catch the good fish. You have to put down your net. You have to catch them both. And then at the time of the harvest, so to speak. You're going to, when you harvest the fish, that's when you're going to separate. Which leads into my second observation, by the way, which we'll come back and circle at the end of Matthew. We're going to circle back to this, by the way. But we're talking about the angels at the harvest. So your mind is thinking end times, right? Just on some level, your mind is going there. Like, And we, we keep critiquing end times theology and Western versus Eastern mindsets. But your mind goes there. Like, I just want to make a point that was made to me. Hey, here's something I learned in Bible college. They actually did a good job at this. Um, they, When we took eschatology class, which fish remain and which fish go away? Let me just choose one. Which fish go away in the parable? Uh, the bad fish get thrown away. The bad fish get thrown away. And what fish remain? The good ones. The good ones. It, it is interesting to me in all of these stories and parables our, our typical evangelical Christian theology has us going away. Like we get raptured out of here if you adhere to the rapture theology, which I do not. Um, but more on that later, session four. Um, or probably session three. We'll get to it in both places. Uh, we always have us going away, like us flying away, some glad morning when this life is or all fly away somewhere else. But that's not how it works. Like what happened to the bad weeds? Where'd they get thrown? They were thrown out into the fire. Into the fiery furnace. What happens to the bad fish? Uh, they're thrown. They just, just threw them away. Yeah. And uh, actually it goes on. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the? Blazing furnace. Blazing furnace, right? So same idea here. And it's the bad that are done away with. And, and the good, like in our, Christ, our typical Christian like left behind theology, we have like the wicked remaining and being punished. And the good going away, but that's not that doesn't fit like any of the parables. This is like a strangely unclear translation here in the NIV. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace. And it feels a little ambiguous as to which them is being thrown where. I think obviously we can guess what the intention Correct. is, but the yeah. the uh, translation as we see it here is kind of kind of strange. Absolutely. Okay, so that's those are good. Those are good. Peshat. Uh, any other observations just on a Peshat level before we dig in? Well, um, this particular section, like we were talking about with the parable of the weeds and the parable of the nets, there's a lot of sorting of good and bad that is going on in this passage, but there's not a lot of talking about like 
what is good and what is bad and and specifically it's talking about how there's all kinds of fish right which goes back to the whole different kinds of people and whatnot and again it's not talking about what actually is making one set good fish and one set bad fish yeah absolutely it's a great point so uh, especially if we just, let's just take it with the whole angels. I know I kind of messed with that. And when we talk about the weeds, I was like, angels, messengers, which one is it? But let's just take this idea and roll with this idea of angels, which I think is probably the right translation. Um, there's a valid conversation we had there, but that's probably the right translation to think angels. Why would, why would it not tell us? Like, how are we going to know? How are we going to know what the good fish are and the bad fish? How are we going to know how to distinguish between the weeds and the wheat? How will we know, Brent? This is a setup. It's a trick question. Sorry, I got distracted and I was looking at something. No, it's good. I didn't it's, hear good. it's probably good because uh, it's a trick question. Like we're not supposed to know, right? I actually really like that observation, Corey, because who, who is it that does the sorting? And both the weeds and the fish, who is it that does the sorting? Uh, well, in this case, it's the fishermen, right? Uh, nope. This is how it'll be at the end of the age. Oh, the end of the age. Yeah. The, well, the angels. The angels. The angels do the sorting. Same as with the weeds, Correct. The angels will come, the angels of the harvest, and they'll separate the weeds. Right. Like in both cases, it's like God saying, you don't have to worry about how to distinguish. Like your job is just go do the thing. Like just go do the love agenda. Like just go bless outsiders. Just go take care of the alien, the orphan, the widow. You just go do that because the angels have got the whole sorting thing taken care of. You don't worry about that. You don't figure out weeds and wheat. You don't figure out good fish and bad fish. You just go be about the business of, not that there's not a place for discernment. We've already done that chat already. There's a place for discernment. But you don't have to judge between the quality of weeds and wheat, and you don't have to judge between the good fish and the bad. It's a really good point. All right. We're going to go searching for Ramez. And uh, and Corey had it. He was like, there's, there's lots of Old Testament passages about fish and nets. And there there are not as much as I thought there would be when I went to search for it, but definitely one that jumps out to me because I like which book for my Ramezes? Ezekiel. Yeah, I do. I sure do. Now, Corey, do you got Ezekiel 47? I do. And we have what? Uh, verses 6 through 12? Is that what we're reading here? I believe so, yeah. All right. Check this out, Ramez. Check this for a possibility. He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the, the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to En Eglam. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea, but the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. All right. So I love I love that there's a remez possibility here, and in my mind, the right remez for Ezekiel 47, because we already pointed out the parable of the fish in the net seems to be talking very clearly about the end of the age like the end of the age. Well, that's exactly what Ezekiel 47 is talking about. Ezekiel 47 is talking about the end of the age where the age to come shows up and we're now ushering in the kingdom of God or however it is you want to talk about it, whatever language you want to use. So that fits perfectly. And again, just like the case with the birds that came to nest in the branches, what did we say, Brent, in that podcast about what the birds represented? We said the animals of Ezekiel represent 
what? All the nations. The Gentiles, right? All these nations. So same case here, fish are representative of the Gentile nations. In fact, 40 years after Jesus, uh, Akiva will actually be building on the rabbinic traditions, and he will talk about, in reference to Ezekiel 47, that verse that Corey read, um, let's see here, let me read it exactly, the fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. And in his Midrash, Akiva said, well, well, we know that there are actually 153 kinds of fish. Extra bonus credit for where that shows up. Um, in, in, well, I won't tell you where. Extra bonus credit for where that shows up. Um, but there's 153 different kinds of fish. In, and, and you're like, if you look at that scientifically, you're like, uh, no, Rabbi Akiva, you are completely wrong. But he wasn't talking scientifically. He was talking rabbinically. He's not talking biology. As Corey sit here and smirks at me and says, be careful. You are treading outside your lane right now. Um, but he's not talking about actual fish, fish, and different kinds and species of fish. He's talking about, well, there are a hundred, because as a Kiva in his day, in his day, they had identified 153 different nations, pagan nations. And so Akiva is saying to all of his readers in his Midrash, the fish represent the Gentiles. Now, that's 40 years after Jesus, but the idea is definitely prevalent before Akiva. We just actually have it on record with Akiva. So uh, so the fish represent the Gentile nations. Um, and not only this, but again, there's a reference to the angels throwing the bad into the fiery furnace. Well, that feels like a romance. Where, did I, where have I bumped into a fiery furnace before? Uh, Daniel. Obviously, Daniel gets thrown into a fiery furnace with Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, right? That's uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they're Hebrew names. Thank you very much. Well, and Daniel's not in the fire, right? It's just the other three. Right. Those three are. Uh, plus, thank you. Plus, thank a, you. plus a special guest. Plus a special guest. That is but correct. But not Daniel. Correct. Um, we may even talk about who that special guest might be, by the way. Um, oh, hold on for that juicy little tidbit later. Um, so, so if it's Daniel, what is Daniel? What is like the theme of Daniel? We've when he have, when he's quoted as a remez, like what could be the potential theme? Son of man. Okay, what else? Because mm. that won't work for our Ezekiel, or not Ezekiel. That won't work for. Well, I mean, it could, but I don't feel that in the fish in the net, fiery furnace. Daniel also was the image of perseverance. If we remember, like Daniel is about persevering, staying alive in the fiery furnace, um, persevering in the face of uh, idolatry persevering in the face of being thrown in the lion's den. Like Daniel's common theme to these people in exile is you have to be able to persevere. Did we have another remez in this section of parables here that talked about perseverance? Any other remez you can think of, Brent? Or Corey, if you can think of chat, uh, Matthew 13. I feel like there was somebody else who persevered. He stayed in the land. He stayed in the land. And that year reaped a hundredfold. Oh, yeah. Who was that? Was that Isaac? Isaac. In the parable of the soils, right? The good soil reaps a hundred, sixty, and thirtyfold. That was we way s- back at the beginning of this discourse. I know. And we said we would want to see all those themes showing up again. So when I see fiery furnace, I think to myself, golly, there's that perseverance that Jesus spoke of in the good soil of the parable of the soils. But the this first is, this is a good case for why we do reviews, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we do reviews. I know. You gotta yeah. you gotta keep the whole context. Yep, absolutely. So where's the first place? Where is the uh we'll sit, we'll put Brent to work here. First use, Brent, of the word furnace. 
Go to work there. Ooh, okay. Okay. Okay, so Furnace shows up for the first time in Genesis 19. Which is the story of what, Brent Billings? Sodom and Gomorrah burning Sodom to the ground. Sodom and Gomorrah burning to the ground. It's a metaphor. So first usage is Sodom and Gomorrah. Now tell me, Brent Billings, how did the story of Sodom and Gomorrah start? Uh, some strangers came in. Interesting. And what did they do when the strangers arrived? They said, uh, we would like to take advantage of you. Uh, 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 no, no, excuse me. So let's go back even further. Are there other strangers that arrived somewhere else before Sodom and Gomorrah? Uh, the strangers came to Abraham first. Ah, and what did they do when those strangers showed up? Uh, so Abraham and Sarah were very hospitable. Right, and Sarah did what? She made all the bread. Wait, have we seen that already? Talked about yeast. Ah, bingo. So all of these stories just brilliantly woven together, a string of pearls, if you will. Jesus connecting all the previous parables he just told to even more remezas, and I just love that. However, to make this even better, um, they're one of the most commonly, what should I say, one of the most well-known midrash of Genesis is a midrash about Abraham. A midrash about Abraham being thrown into a fiery furnace. Now, you actually have the story, Brent, so how about you... Read that midrash for us. We are actually going to put a link to this, by the way, an article that's going to show you this pair, this midrash and a whole bunch of other things about the midrash. Very academic. Uh, we're going to paste it in the show notes. All right. Uh, Terah, Abraham's father, took Abraham and gave him over to Nimrod. Who's Nimrod? Well, very complicated in the midrash. Remember, Nimrod is the... Um, he would have been the builder of the Tower of Babel in Jewish thought. He is the great hunter in the genealogies. Um, the Jewish Midrash connects, connects him to the Nephilim pre-flood. Very, very complicated, okay. uh, but that's Nimrod. Nimrod's right. going to represent, he's going to be the commander of evil in essence. All right. If that makes sense. Okay. So Tra took Abraham and gave him over to Nimrod. Nimrod said to him, let us worship the fire. Abraham said to him, should we not then worship water, which extinguishes fire? And Nimrod said, well, let us worship the water. Abraham said, well, should we not then worship the clouds, which carry the water? Nimrod said, well, then let us worship the cloud. Abraham said to him, if so, should we not then worship the wind, which scatters the clouds? Nimrod said, let us worship the wind. Abraham said to him, should we not then worship the human who withstands the wind? Nimrod said, you are merely piling words. We should bow to none other than the fire. I shall therefore cast you in it. And let your God, to whom you bow, come and save you from it. So Haran, Abraham's brother, was standing there, and he said to himself, What shall I do? If Abraham wins, I shall say, I am of Abraham's followers. Okay, by the way, let's just pause right in the middle of this midrash. Who is Haran, just to remind us? Haran is the brother of Abraham, but who, I'm looking at you, Corey, coming to you. Which brother of Abraham are we talking about here? I believe he's the one who dies. He's the one who dies and has Lot as his son, and Milcah and Yiska as his daughters. That, that Haran. Right? Okay. So this Midrash is actually going to talk to us about Haran's demise. So keep going. Uh, let's see. So uh, if Abraham wins, I shall say I am of Abraham's followers. But if Nimrod wins, I shall say I am of Nimrod's followers. When Abraham went into the furnace and survived, Haran was asked, whose follower are you? He answered, I am Abraham's follower. So they took him and threw him into the furnace. And his innards were burned and he died and uh, died before his father Terah. This is the meaning of the verse, Genesis eleven twenty eight, and Haran died in the lifetime of his father, Terah. All of that midrash to provide the backstory of how Haran died. And in short, if I could summarize it, if I'd be so bold, which I shouldn't be, but I'm going to be, to summarize that midrash is the idea that 
Abraham is willing to stand in the face of idolatry, stand in the face of paganism, stand in the face of everything that stands against God and say, first of all, reason, (laughs) reason with Nimrod, but then stand strong in his beliefs to persevere, if you will. Uh, And then, and then Haran, well, he just wants to say the right thing. Like he just wants to like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to see who wins. And then that's what I'm going to claim. I'm going to make sure I'm the, on the winning side of this. I'm going to hedge my bets. Right. And then, and that's why, because he wants to hedge his bets, the Midrash says, well, that's why he perished rather than Abraham, who's willing to stand strong and persevere. By the way, I know when we read Daniel, we see a fourth figure in the furnace and we're always like, oh, it's Jesus, which I love. I'm not, I shouldn't have said it like that. I mean, I want to, but I should Like, that's cool. It's a great idea. Wonderful. Or it's God or it's the Holy Spirit. We project all of our Christian thinking onto that parable. But if Daniel is written as late as we suggested it was written, well after this Midrash is, well after this story is being told about Abraham, because it's actually connected to the Quran, but that's a whole nother podcast. Um, But this this way, this is one of the most well-known, oldest Midrash we're working with here. And Daniel writes that, who is the fourth figure in the furnace? Without a doubt. Who is it, Corey? Well, I mean, presumably, uh, you're suggesting that the author is referencing that uh, midrash by saying it's Abraham. Absolutely, that was so juicy. By the way, when you read that, and there's a fourth figure, and every Jewish reader, I'd like tears coming to their eye, like, oh, the faithfulness of Abraham. Like Abraham is in the furnace with them. They have to persevere. They have to walk in the path. This is so 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 stinking good. Oh my gosh! And just just to clarify your earlier reference to the Quran, we we should point out, uh, remind the listeners that uh, the uh, Quran is the writings of uh, Muslims yes, who Islam. are the descendants yep. of Ishmael, Abraham's first son from, Bingo. from uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, from, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, Jiminy Christmas. Um, from, how can you like spring this on me? Hagar. Hagar. Ah, ha, ha, I stumped <laughs> you this time. <laughs> Dang it. I was like, Ishmael, no, that's not, that's the son's name. Uh, so yeah. yes, of course, so the, the Quran speaks of Abraham because they are descendants of Abraham as well. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And there's a lot of crossover in material like that Midrash. So not surprising, but so, so juicy. Okay, so let's go Drash. Uh, all of this takes us much deeper into the parable to consider Jesus's intended meaning. Could he be insinuating that the reason his followers should not be about the business of separating weeds from the wheat and the good from the bad fish is their primary calling in the world is to be a blessing to to those very fish that they might deem as bad. If the fish represent the Gentiles, why should we sit here and try to figure out which Gentiles are good and which Gentiles are bad? Just be about the business of blessing the fish, which was, by the way, Abraham's call. Could it be that they... Um, did the work of God and judged the foreigner as a weed or a bad fish, even appropriately, they would miss their calling, seen in Ezekiel 47 and all throughout Tanakh. Like if they were to actually, I kind of read that funny out of my notes, but like if they were to, if they were to actually do the work, even if they got it right between the good fish and the bad fish, that wasn't the mission. The mission was to bless all nations, all fish, good or bad, I wonder if that's not where he's going. And if and if they miss this calling, they would fall prey to the very judgment that awaited the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, the other Remeztai, which didn't we just hear that not too long ago, Brent Billings? We talked about you people of Capernaum, Sodom. We had an episode called A Jury in Sodom, right? Right. So so we've heard we've heard all this. Now let me go back to Corey and your idea, because this is where I think it gets to be really juicy. What was your idea at the beginning of the podcast? 
that the pearl that that God oh, could be right. looking for? Tell right. me again. Right. Uh, the idea I had was that in the parable of the treasure, that what God is looking for in his people, the pearl he's looking for is wisdom because the pearl represents wisdom. So he's looking for wisdom in his people, right? Ultimately. Could be. Could be. I love that idea. I'm stealing that, by the way. Could it be that the wisdom he's looking for is the wisdom to know how to be about the mission of God? Like, could it be that God's like, here's what I want. I want, wi- I want to find wisdom in my people. And the wisdom I want to see is a people that know that the mission is to bless all nations. And that's what this is about. Love that idea. Totally going to use that. Fantastic. Now, you read a few verses to close this passage, right, Brent? Can you go through and read the, or, or you yeah, got a question? I have, well, I just didn't want to point out one other thing. Okay. I, I think it's interesting how they let the nets down and they collect all kinds of fish which makes it certainly seem like more than two different kinds. They're not just catching good fish and bad fish. They're catching all kinds. But then when the separation comes, it's just good and bad. So it's not like it's not like they're separating, like, here's our good trout and our bad trout. Here's our good oh, bass sure. and our bad bass. Here's yeah. our good salmon and our bad salmon. Right. It's, it doesn't matter what kind of fish it is. It's like, are you good or are you bad? Right. I just think that's interesting. Absolutely. That's a wonderful point. All right. So the end of this, uh, Jesus says, have you understood all these things? Yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. So the, so the, okay, give that to me one more time, Brent. I'm going to stop you probably as you read this. Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven. Every what? Every teacher of the law. That has what? Who has become a disciple. What? Like, that's a, that is a big idea. Like, we just read that and we're like, oh. Like, every teacher of the law that is willing to become a learner, like, is this not, does this not feel like the whole vibe and the whole tone of all these parables, like the parable of the soils? Like, if you think you know and you're not willing to go unknow, if you're not willing to go relearn, and I have old and new, which makes me think of our another, of our other reference, old and new wineskins. Like that whole same idea. You have to be you have to be a teacher of the law who's willing to become a disciple all over again to begin to to begin to learn new things. Like you don't understand the kingdom of God, Jesus might say to a John the Baptist disciple, maybe. But if you become a, a disciple, go ahead and continue. Uh, has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. So this this person who is willing to humble himself, this teacher of the law, willing to humble himself and start to learn is like the owner of a house that, and I, again, I'm asking myself, what is the remez? Now, I feel fairly confident in the remez that one of my first, first students, Mama Liz, led me to years and years and years ago. I still carry the note in my Bible. And I think she's right. And I just haven't like nailed the drosh. But I'll leave our listeners with the remez, if you will. I believe the remez is somehow linked to Song of Songs 713. Song of Songs 713, which says, I got it here in front. Actually, I'm going to read the context. I'm going to start in um, 
the middle of verse 9 because that's where the dialogue, her, her, the bride's dialogue begins. May the wine go straight to my beloved, flowing gently over lips and teeth. I belong to my beloved and his desire is for me. Come, my beloved, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes send out their fragrance, and at our door is every delicacy, both new and old. I have stored up for you, my beloved. And Jesus says, well, the person who's willing to humble himself and become a disciple and learn this all over again from the beginning is like a lover. It's like, it's like the lover in Song of Songs who goes out to bring new and old treasures out of the storehouses. And I wonder if there, I see what I've been wrestling with all this time is some kind of a connection between the Ezekiel 16 and this, this blossoming you, you said in the last episode, this blossoming young woman that God has found. And now this blossoming that, that has finally found her bride. Like I'm wondering if there's a connection there and I just, ha- I just haven't cinched it up real tight, but uh, surprise me with that quotation at the end of that passage, Brent. But that's, that, that's my thought there on that first few verses, those last verses there. And I think it's important to point out new treasures as well as old. They're not discarding everything they've learned before necessarily. Correct. Absolutely. But they have to be willing to bring in new things. Absolutely. Great point. Great observation. Okay. Right. We have to ask, do you got anything like, like, like fundamentally awesome before we get off the podcast, Corey? I don't think I do right All right. Now. All right. All right. If he, we'll, we'll make sure we bring him back if he has anything for us the moment we stop the recording. All right. Thank you, special guest, Corey Nadler. Fish, Fish giblets, giblets on Twitter. <laughs> uh, that was beautifully in unison. I know it. Thanks for joining us, Corey. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's see. You can find any details you need about the show at Uh Check out our Facebook page. Marty's always posting links and discussion there. Uh, at the Bama on Twitter as well. Same kind of links. Uh, always good stuff coming out every Monday and Thursday. Uh, so join us in the discussion. Get in a discussion group. Whatever it takes, it's always better to wrestle together. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for joining us on the Baymont Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.